Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decided Heart Conversations. I'm Hillary, and joined by my co-host, Sonia, we have a very special guest and a half, two guests. I'm not sure quite how to put this yet, but we were fascinated when we started getting to know Karen Freeland, and she's just finished a memoir with her partner in crime, who is joining us. (laughs) Would you like to explain Miss Karen? (laughs) Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and share this with your listeners. I'm really excited about that. Um, Yes. So my partner in crime is my vagina. (laughs) So yes, I know if you weren't sitting down, this might have caught you off guard a little bit. Um, But I am writing a memoir that basically looks at all the mishaps and misadventures of me and my vagina over the past 40 years. I love it. There is miraculously enough like content to fill a book, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) Like when I started writing it, I was like, I don't know, what would I talk about? And then I started like brainstorming things. I was like, oh yeah, there was that time and that time. I'm like, wow, I kind of have a lot of material here. Well, and then honestly, Karen, I, I get, I mean, I can't help but be giggly about it. Like, oh my right. God, saying vagina, like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's a character in a book. And I just love the sense of humor that you put into it. But there was a time where you had this decided heart moment. Like, I would love to mm. hear, our audience would love to hear how that shifted and how this memoir came to be. Absolutely. So actually, the, the, it was first born, believe it or not, in 2009. I was pregnant with my first son and most women who have been to the gynecologist and, uh, you know, have had a baby at some point, their doctor or midwife or someone told them about preparing for birth and preparing the birth canal. And so you are supposed to use some olive oil and massage it into your vulva area. I know maybe not everyone's heard of this. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this was my recommendation. And I thought the same thing. Like my doctor was explaining this to me and I was like, yep, lady, you're nuts. Thanks for the info. Like I'm never doing this. And I went home and maybe a week later, I don't know, it was a Friday night. My husband was working the overnight shift. I guess I was bored. I don't know. (laughs) So I went into the bathroom and I tried to do this to myself. And I was like, olive oils flying everywhere. I can't get my fingers right. The positioning. I mean, it was a complete disaster. (laughs) And my husband comes home and he's like, what the hell happened in the bathroom? And I was like, well, I tried this thing. And he was like, oh my gosh, you should write a book and call it. I don't know my vagina. And I was (laughs) like, (laughs) cause he's like, you clearly, and there'd been other instances, uh, instances, I guess, where I like clearly did not know like what was going on down there. And he's like, I don't understand why you don't know why your period's like not here yet or when it's coming. Like, how do you not know these things? And I was like, I don't know. So (laughs) I, at first I was like, I don't know if this is a great idea, but I started thinking about it more and more. And I was like, you know what? We might be onto something. So I started writing the book, but of course, as life would have it, I went back to corporate Things got really busy. I now had a newborn baby at home. I was traveling for work and the book just sat and sat and sat. And my decided heart moment really came in 2019. I had a what I would say was a pretty devastating midlife crisis. I was working um, at an energy company, you know, running the marketing team. We were small. We were lean and mean, you know, but It was a ton of responsibility. Um, I was responsible for all of North America. And 
I just couldn't help but keep feeling like something was missing from my life. And we had two deaths in the family. And that really triggered things for me. My mortality suddenly was right in front of my face. And I kept thinking like, what am I doing with my life? Am I wasting it? Is this, is making PowerPoints all there is? I, there has to be something else to life. You know, I, and I don't know if either of you kind of relate. Um, oh. Yeah. And so I was kind of having, I started to get a bit toxic at work. I was having a little bit of an emotional outburst and um, a coworker sort of, you know, called me out on it and was like, look, then what do you want to do before you die? Like, what's the one thing you would regret never doing? And I had to think about that because I'd thrown myself so much into work. I think I forgot who I was, what I enjoyed, what made me tick. I was like, I don't even know who I am. I'm work. I am my work. That's all I know. And it was in some very quiet moments, internal reflection, where the book, it just like came to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's been sitting here since 2009. I have to finish this book. Even if nothing comes of it, I owe it to myself to finish writing it. And that's kind of how it all took off. Well. Yeah, and I, and I love that. And there's a couple things that I really want to bring out. Part, part of it is knowing just from talking to you, but the, the other side of it, is, I know you have one of the tips that you have for people that I've heard you say before as well is just how you turn the, the, the negative into the positive. And in hearing that conversation, mm-hmm. I feel like your friend was really that catalyst. So mm-hmm. many people can tell you what they don't want, what they don't want to do, what the, you know, they can tell you all of that. But when it comes to what do you want then? Like, this doesn't make me happy. This doesn't make me, okay, Mm -hmm. but what does make you happy? Oh, wait, hold on. And they don't allow the space for themselves to think about that. So that is so, I love that you did that. And you truly just went all in and invested (laughs) in yourself. I would love it if you could share, like dig into that just a little bit. Yeah. And that was scary for me because I had never invested in myself to that degree before. Um, But I do think, so just for your listeners uh, that don't know, I actually started my career as a dancer and an actress. And so I was, you know, waiting tables, living paycheck to paycheck and having this like awesome life and amazing experiences though, living my dream. And so there was a bit of that that started to come back that I kind of like remembered, oh yeah, remember that life you used to live? Like you can do this again. You don't have to make all this money that you think you have to make. And I wasn't quite ready to leave corporate yet. So I said, well, at least while I'm here, I'm gonna use that money to fund my dreams. And so I started talking to an editor and was like, you know what? If I'm gonna do this, like I have to do it right. Like, it's just too special of a book. It's too personal. I mean, it is very personal. So (laughs) it doesn't get much more personal than that. So if we're going to do this, it needs to be so good that it just kind of like takes the world by storm. And I I need professional help in order to really be able to bring it to life. And so, you know, I wrote the check. It was like $11,000, you know, to hire an editor to do this. And I just remember thinking like, am I nuts? Like, what am I doing? This $11,000 is so much money. Um, But that gave me the confidence to keep going. And it gave me 
the stake in the ground to say like, no, you've committed to this now. Like you're going to get that return on that investment and you're going to take this thing all the way and it's going to be amazing. What I think was truly the most like important piece, like, so decided hard is, you know, there's one thing to like feel it and it's all <laughs> emotional and you're, you're coming to sense with your vulnerabilities and you're, you're seeing the light, but decided hard is actually taking the action, the doing <laughs> and What's fascinating about your decision with your investment or funding your dream is you set this accountability pattern. Like once you write yeah. that check, you can't just walk away from something like that. And I love that you called it an, an investment for yourself or a funding of your dream, yeah. but it also has those boundaries. And for, for Hillary and I, it's so important. That is what decided heart means to us. It's not only just feeling it and dreaming about it, but then like, what's the action plan? Right. Because it's so easy to just think about it and wish about it in your head and be like, oh, someday, someday. But I think because specifically in my situation, I had just experienced two deaths. I didn't feel like I had tomorrow. I didn't feel like there was going to be, you know, 10 years from now. I kept thinking like, what if I get hit by a bus tomorrow or a car accident or something happens? Like, I don't have that much time. I got to I got to jump in and just make it happen now. It's funny. I'm in my mind. I'm I'm singing the rent song. No day but today. I mean, not really. Like it's our. It's like five hundred. You know. So that's like yes. going through my through my head at the moment. And I really do. I do think this last year has shown that to all of us. You don't know. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going to go hang out with that friend tomorrow. Well, no, you could be in quarantine and not get to, or something could happen. All of that and. You know, that really does lead into that second tip that I really feel uh, is so important for people to think about. It is not a wish. It is not a dream. You're making it actionable and you make it actionable by actually writing it down in a smart goal format. <laughs> and for anybody out there who is you know, not in corporate America and it's like smart goal. What are you talking about? You're just intelligent goal. I mean, yes, sort <laughs> of, but there really is something more to that. Can you explain that to, for, for our audience that doesn't know and how that actually helps you on a, and do you use that daily? Do you use it monthly? Do you use it all over the place? Yeah, I've gotten much more, um, smart about my smart goals, if you will. I think when I first started, I kind of just wrote the goal and it was always kind of like longer term things. And then all of a sudden the days bleed into weeks and you get to this deadline and you go like, oh my gosh, I never did that, you know, because I didn't manage my time in between the here and now and the, you know, three months when I wanted this goal to come to fruition. So I actually, and this is not a Karen original, I learned this from someone else. Um, I have the big three. So every day I wake up and I put at the top of my planner, what are the three things I need to get done today in order to keep me on track? And that has helped me stay focused so much. The other thing I would say is like a lot of people will say to me, especially because I hear I'm writing a book and I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to do that. I don't have time though. How do you find the time? And when I first started writing, believe it or not, I was still in corporate. I have two boys. I mean, I don't, it's not like I had infinite hours to sit down and write 10 minutes a day. I would set the timer and I would just tell everyone in my family, mommy's going upstairs. I need 10 minutes, guys, just 10 minutes to write. And then I'll be back. And I would go. And next thing you know, like they wouldn't come check on me and I'd get 15 minutes in and 20 minutes in. And then, you know, I started 
staying up late because I, you know, after the kids went to bed and I was like, I'm going to get this done. I want to finish this chapter. Um, and it was just so much fun because it didn't feel like work, you know? Well, I think one thing that, you know, we, we talk about, um, which is so powerful. And, and you mentioned this too, Karen, in terms of the people around you, your tribe. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, maybe we have to change our tribe, though you can't change your family. Um, <laughs> the one thing that Hillary and I have really emphasized is boundaries and that mm. we set our own boundaries and communicating those boundaries to people who can really support us. They don't know what we need. But for yeah. you to, to translate that and say, mommy needs this time. And they, I, I'm sure for your boys, they look up to you like, oh, she's doing something for herself and respecting those boundaries. I mean, to me, that's so inspirational to see this family unit really support you in your, yeah. in your dreams happen. So cool. And I'll tell you, and we haven't talked about it too much, but we have a, a little bit of a life coach um, practice and my friends and I started a business um, and it's so cute. My son is like emailing his teacher and he's like, I want to, I want you to be successful. So I want to tell her about your program that you're offering. And I just think it's so beautiful. Like they made me a poster the other day that said gal talk on it. And like, we're hanging it up outside my door. And I'm like, this is, they are involved in this, you know, and they want me to be successful just as much as I want to be successful. So when I say, oh, hey, you know, I have to go do this or I have to go to that thing or I have to get on a call for an hour, they're totally bought in because they're part of the magic, you know, it's pretty cool. It's so cool. I do. I love that. I, I and I think it's so important. It's funny because I was just telling a client that the other day. It's like if you don't let your family into your dream, then how do they know? You know, because that is and I yeah. think as moms in particular, we think we're supposed to take care of everyone else. And and actually, I talk a lot about virtues and virtues. And Sonia is like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, but, I love them. And and the funniest one, and I want to get your response to this. The funniest one to me to see women with is the word humility, because we don't. Oh. Here's the thing: is we don't brag. We don't, you know, like no, nope. we're fine. So we think we have humility. But the second part of that is asking for help when you need it. And so mm. I, women look at it and they're like, oh my God, I am living in ego. And they don't, I mean, because <laughs> when they, right? Because when you, when you're so proud that you don't ask for help, that starts to be an issue. And I love yeah. that you just embrace that, made them part of it. And, and for women out there, what I, I hope that they are hearing and men, what I hope they hear from this. And Sonia, you did a great job of saying it as well is okay, you had the dream, you made it actionable. And why, why feel guilty about that? Because you are leading the way you are modeling and you are giving permission to your children to do the same thing, right? We yes. sacrifice everything and then expect them to grow up to be individuals that go after their dreams. Right. That's exactly right. And I, that is one of the biggest things I think that I live by because for so long when I was in corporate, I did feel like I gave up on my dreams. You know, I felt like what if I had stayed and kept acting or what if I did follow the things that I love and or we're still dancing or whatever. And it, it broke my heart a little bit. Like I kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, did I sell out? Um, and, you know, what's interesting and, and I'll just maybe offer this up, too, is this doesn't happen overnight. Right. It wasn't like. I, I realized on a Monday that I wanted to leave corporate and on Tuesday I did and I wrote a book and it's great, right? This like mm -hmm. this happens over an extended period of time. 
But if you give yourself permission to start finding ways to just integrate some of your passions and the things you love into life without feeling this pressure that it suddenly has to become your career and you have to actually make money from it, it really takes a lot of pressure off. So for example, like I've loved dancing. I grew up dancing competitively my whole life. I went to college for dance. And what I found is, you know, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. No one's hiring a 40 year old dancer. I don't have the skill level I once had. Like it, it's not happening, but that doesn't mean I can't love dancing and do dance workouts, you know? So I love on Saturday mornings, put on a hip hop dance workout and you know, I don't, I'm not killing it. I'm not great, but I'm having fun. And it, it, brings that spark back in me, right? I feel alive again. You know, this reminds me, and, and um, I totally identify with you in terms of me being a student athlete. And, you know, you could never take away the athlete in me, whether my right. body likes it or not. It is a part of who I am. It's my philosophy of life. And owning that part of that identity is, is truly one of the things that keeps me authentic. Um, yeah. Another thing that you've come and it's a third tip for our viewers and listeners is this remembering the why. Mm. So foundational too. And I'm thinking about your 10 year span, the, the moment the book, the memoir was planted and then 10 years it, it took to kind of start to grow. But remembering the why, what is that all about? Yeah. So look, undoubtedly something's going to happen, right? It's the going is going to get tough at some point. It's, you know, you're going to be like, oh, well, do I have enough money to keep this project going or whatever is going to happen. And it's really easy to kind of like sink with inside yourself and go, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. Nobody would want to buy my book. This is bad, you know, but instead we're like living into that and we're remembering why we started this in the first place. Mm -hmm. So for me, a lot of people will say, well, why are you writing this book about your vagina? And I say that a lot of times just for the shock value, but it's about so much more than that. It's about the journey to womanhood. It's about the things we see in society that we think we have to emulate in the bedroom or getting a urinary tract infection and being so scared to tell anyone when you're in college because you think it's an STD or you're afraid like people are going to think you're like going to judge you and like, why were you having sex or whatever that you kind of suffer until you can't anymore. And then you finally go to the doctors. And it's like, I don't want other women to ever feel alone the way that I have felt at different points in my life. And so how do we normalize some of these feelings and normalize having a baby and, you know, the, the challenges of tearing or, you know, things that happen to your body and then having to deal with the repercussions of that. And if you remember why I'm doing this book, then it's so easy when people say like, I don't know, should you really put that out there? Or why are you doing that? You know, you have kids or they get judgmental. Then it's like, yeah, but that you're missing the why, right? It's so much bigger than me and my story. I love that. We, I feel, Sonia, I feel like we need to introduce her to our, um, to our episode 29. I know. Yes, right? Totally. Right? We had, so two episodes ago, we had someone on to talk to us about our erotic blueprint. And I thought Sonia and I were going to oh. die. Because <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, like, how, how, how do you practice sex and what turns you on and what doesn't? And we're like, <gasps> you know, but yeah. it was, what, but I mean, that's, I love the fact that you know, we are responsible for our own sexuality, for our own bodies, for our own, and not ha having, the more we normalize, as you said, and the more we start to embrace that, I mean, whoever gave us the message that we shouldn't do that, right? right. I, mean, I, 
I don't know where, well, actually, Sonia, whole nother story, because we're reading a book right now called Cassandra Speaks Together, and it's all about, like, where does that messaging come from? But anyway, mm. that's it for another day. Um, but yeah. one of the things, I, I just, before we close out, I have got to bring this up, because I think people will be shocked. <laughs> so you said vagina, shock factor. Tell us about social media and what oh. you had to do. I just, I cannot believe this. yeah so I mean I I have my own um my own Instagram handle so you can follow me at Karen Freeland and you know I've been putting things out there and sharing tidbits of my book and you can actually go to my website uh, karenfreeland.com and Karen is with an I and you can look at the tab that says my memoir and actually download a snippet of it so you can read a little taste of what it's like um Yeah, but I mean, it's so tough because you get the gamut, right? You get the people who suddenly judge you and think, oh, she must be a slut or maybe she's in an open marriage or like they think all these things about you that just aren't true. Or like you get other people who are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they'll like DM me and they'll be like, so have you ever had a threesome? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I know I'm sharing a lot about myself right now out there, but like, I don't. I'm not inviting this kind of conversation. Thank you. <laughs> so it's been interesting, but I think overall women and people have been pretty supportive because it is different, you know, and because a lot of people aren't talking about it. So yeah, it, but it's always interesting. I mean, I had to call my mom before I started doing this and be like, by the way, you're going to start okay? to see. <laughs> well, but not just, uh, here's a, the, the one that, the thing that really surprised me was you always, you use, often you use hashtag lady parts. Yes. Mm, yes. This is the part that I am floored by. Oh, because, right. Because hashtag vagina is like shadow banned. You can't use that hashtag. And I'm like, it's a body part. Oh, it's like an arm, an elbow, a knee. Like, why are we shaming 50% of the population, which are women? I mean, I don't know the exact percentage, but basically half the world are women. And, you know, but like penis, no big deal, right? So it just, it, we're sending the wrong message to women and girls. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I know, know. I just had to, like, I couldn't believe that. So I, yeah. that. I was like, oh, I mean, I understand that we can get into like dodgy stuff and all of that. Right. But, but wow. That is crazy. Yeah. That makes me angry. I did not know any of that. And so I'm hoping that this, these kinds of conversations will just change that entire mindset of an entire society. Um, but I just wanted to, like, as we're closing up, I just wanted to summarize, you know, like, thank you so much for sharing your journey, that decided heart moment. It's such a courageous example of having a decided heart. And one of the three things, just to summarize some of the tips and really important tips to our viewers and listeners is number one, like, get that, change the voice. We always have that what if voice, and it's always towards the negative. Like, what if we don't do it? Or what if life is too short? Or what if, you know, switch that around, right? Well, what if the memoir publishes? You know, what if I'm invited to a hundred speaking engagements, right? So change that voice around and look at your tribe, figure out like, do I have the right people around me? And am I communicating what my dreams are to these people who will support me? Um, Tip number two is the SMART goals, writing those goals down, making it manageable so your time can be efficient. Um, and then I'm sure you'll, we'll have links to what a SMART goal is. And then the last tip is, man, don't forget your why, because you will get pushed back. You will get questioned 
about what your efforts are, or what your decided heart moment is and why you're going a certain direction. It doesn't matter if you remember your why. Did I miss anything? No, I love it. And I would just say, remember your biggest superpower is confidence. And if you believe in you, others will believe in you too. But as soon as you let those little seeds of doubt in and you start to second guess yourself, it's like a, a toxic poison that can take over your body. So remember that you are beautiful, you are talented, you are brilliant, and you have everything you need right within you to make a change and to live the best life that you can possibly live. Oh, I love that. We will have all of that. That is just so beautiful. I love your energy so much. And we will have all the links to, uh, if you, if our listeners out there want to get a hold of Karen, want to follow, do we have a, a timeline of like 2022 for a final book or 2020? Do we sort of have a timeline or right now we're aiming for fall of 2021. So, okay. So we'll be watching and we have the social media out there. You can learn more about her book, more about her coaching, more about all of the things, Karen on her website. And like I said, all of those links will be posted on YouTube in the bio on Spotify, also on, um, Apple podcast. So Sonia. Totally. Okay. So I just have to say, Karen, I just, I really appreciate and value and excited about your combination of courage and determination and I always value that splash of humor. I think it's significant splash of humor in your book. I cannot wait to dive in. Everyone get that piece, that segment, just to kind of awaken what this memoir is gonna look like. Um, and hey all, just keep subscribe. You need to subscribe for our episodes coming up. We have amazing guests like Karen coming our way. We are just like what Hillary said, we're on Spotify, um, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're all over the place. We're on Facebook and Instagram. So subscribe. Hang in there with us. 2021 is going to look fantastic. And we are going to catch you all next time. You guys have a great day.